Onosaurus, you got something that pretty much fits a description of that powerful body and those powerful legs like those other three animals do, but then he does swing his tail like a cedar. Uh, Leviathan, uh, many Bible scholars claim, well, Leviathan is, uh, is just a crocodile. And it describes this, this animal that lives in the water uh, much like a crocodile would be described. Except it comes to one part that when he raises himself up, men look on in fear. And again, with crocodiles, if there's one thing that doesn't intimidate me, it's how high they raise up, because they don't get too high off the ground. Okay? Um, but if you had uh, uh, some of these uh, um, uh, dinosaurs that, that lived in the ocean and that type of thing, uh, that would fit the description. So, so basically, I, I, the dating methods are inconsistent and unreliable, and a lot of these bones that they're dating to be millions of years old, uh, uh, there is the possibility uh, of them coexisting uh, with man. In fact, we even found footprints in the Paloxy River. Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of forgeries were made as well, which complicated the issue. But there were some authentic human footprints, and uh, with authentic dinosaur footprints in the same riverbed that could not have been the product of a hoax. And as Dr. Norman Geisler shows, that the human footprints and the dinosaur footprints there, uh, there, there is as much evidence for them being authentic as the uh, footprints that an evolutionist named Le Leakey uh, was pointing to for one of his arguments. So there's no real reason uh, to reject them. Okay, uh, so with the fossil record, there's definitely... It's definitely a problem for evolutionists. We're going to go back to that a little bit later uh, to see how what evolution that even evolutionists themselves admit the problems there. We quoted from from uh, Colin Patterson, uh, one of the foremost experts on the fossil record uh, out of Great Britain, and, and he brought that we brought that up last week that he admits uh, that the, the gaps are there. Uh, mutations. We mentioned. Uh, this last week, so I'm not going to cover a lot of time on it. Uh, a lot of evolutionists say that the, the way evolution occurs through mutations, but keep in mind, cr mutations create no new genes. They only alter already existing genes. It's like if, um, if my genes, if we represent my genes by the 26 letters of the alphabet, uh, a mutation would not add a 27th letter. It would just garble the order of those 26 letters. So the question comes up, if single-celled animals evolved uh, to humans eventually, um, ultimately, uh, then where did the single-celled animal uh, get genes for teeth? Because single-celled animals do not have genetic information uh, for teeth. Uh, the supposed missing links between apes and men. This looks like a real solid argument uh, for evolution uh, when you're a high school student and you're looking at all those all those pictures, those drawings, that artwork in your uh, high school textbook. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, even evolutionists admit that the textbooks are obsolete. Sometimes, anywhere from 20 to 50 years, they haven't been updated. 
and they didn't remove all, all the uh, trans, uh, the the missing links that uh, that have been disproven. Basically, Neanderthal man and Cro-Magnon man have uh, features of modern man, and uh, uh, even most evolutionists consider them uh, pretty much modern man. Colorado man, but by the way. Sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't have to find an entire skeleton. You can just find a tooth. You can find a little, por little, little uh, piece of the uh, skull. Um, so, uh, you know, the, uh, evolutionists have uh, vivid imaginations. You don't need a whole lot of a skeleton uh, before they come up with a missing link, uh, supposedly between apes and men. And the Colorado man turned out uh, to be a member of the horse family. Okay, uh, Java man turned out to be a large gibbon. Heidelberg man, who just consisted of a lower jaw, who knows what it is. Piltdown man turned out to be a clever hoax. Somebody played a trick on one, on his, one of his colleagues and hooked together a, a jaw of either an ape or a human with the skull of an ape or a human and, and uh, confused everybody and on his deathbed confessed after making fools of the uh, scientific community for for about a generation. Uh, the pig king man turned out to be a monkey or a baboon. Southern ape and uh, Ramapithecus turned out to be extinct apes. The East African man turned out to be an ape. Dryopithecus turned out to be an extinct ape. And my favorite one is the Nebraska man. Uh, I don't know how many people saw that movie, Inherit the Wind, um, with Spencer Tracy and all, it was about the 19. It was about a historical event, the 1925 monkey trial. Uh, by the way, the 1925 the monkey trial, the ACLU argued it's wrong to teach only creation in the public schools. There's another scientific view. It's called evolution. They should both be taught. That's what being fair is. Well, in the 1980s monkey trial, the same ACLU argued. It's wrong to teach both creation and evolution in the public schools. Creation is religious, therefore only evolution should be taught. So the ACLU is not beyond contradicting themselves when it serves their purposes. But, uh, but anyway, in that movie, uh, they got the Bible banger on the stand who believes in creation. You know, he's such a Neanderthal that he still believes in creation. And they got this, this lawyer who's in the know, and he's an evolutionist, and he holds up a tooth. He's got the, the Bible banger on the stand, and he holds up a tooth. He says, you know what this tooth is, sir? And the guy says, no, I don't know what it is. And this is all in the movie. And uh, he says, well, some scientists found this tooth. And from this tooth, they constructed a skull. What he didn't tell them, they constructed a skull from their imagination. And they constructed an entire skeleton. And then they constructed an entire race of missing links between apes and men. And the, the Bible banger was shocked. He didn't know what to say. Now, what that movie doesn't tell you, and now they made this movie in like the 40s or the 50s, so they had plenty of time to do this. What this mo that movie didn't tell you was two years later, in 1927, in that same area, they found more of those teeth. But then they also found some skulls and the skeletons, and uh, the tooth turned out not to be the missing link between apes and men. It turned out to be a tooth from uh, an extinct pig. And, uh, but that is, that is how far, you know, this has gone. And by the way, you know, Galileo, uh, Galileo correctly recognized, uh, he was persecuted, 
by the people of his day uh, because he recognized that the earth revolved around the sun, not the other way around. And so he was slammed uh, by the authorities of his day, uh, and basically it was, it was papal authority okay, that came down on him. It was religious authority. Uh, but today, Protestants do not have an infallible pope. But evolutionists do have, uh, apparently, a bunch of infallible scientists and we accept whatever they say without looking into it uh, to the point where, uh, uh, you know, we believe things like this. You find a, uh, a piece of the skeleton of a horse, and uh, because they tell us it's a missing link between apes and men, uh, we believe them. Uh, Archaeopteryx. We talk about Archaeopteryx here. Uh, supposed to be a... Uh, supposed to be a, the missing link, the transitional form uh, between reptiles and birds. The reason why uh, scientists hold to this, uh, or used to hold to this, is because he has teeth and a lizard-like tail and claws like a reptile, yet Archaeopteryx had uh, wings and feathers uh, like a bird. And so they said, well, this is obviously the transitional form. Uh, however, it's fully developed. You don't have half bird lungs, half reptile lungs. It's fully developed, and now it's been classified uh, by even evolutionists as a bird and not as a transitional form. In fact, they found fossils uh, uh, of birds that pre-existed or existed during the same time as Archaeopteryx. So it couldn't have been the transitional form. Uh, but let me give you a quote from Scott Hughes from, uh, about Archaeopteryx and uh, from page 112 of his book, The Collapse of Evolution. And Hughes states this, Another serious difficulty with the supposed evolution of reptiles into birds is that which concerns their lungs. The lungs of reptiles consist of millions of tiny air sacs, whereas bird lungs have tubes. The piecemeal evolution of, of bird lungs from reptile lungs seems virtually impossible. The survival of the hypothetical intermediate life, life forms uh, possessing lungs, which consist of half tubes and half air sacs, is totally inconceivable. So in other words, what he's saying is uh, God created birds and reptiles with lungs uh, that function very differently. And uh, so if you had one type of lung evolving into the other type, the lungs aren't going to work till they're fully developed. And uh, basically, the, whatever transitional form you'd come up with uh, between reptiles and birds whatever we could say about it, we, we can be pretty sure it would not be able to breathe. Well, if something can't breathe, it dies. Forget about what's, what's uh, going to evolve from that later on. Nothing's going to. Uh, it's just going to die out. Hughes further states, finally, fossils of modern birds have been found in the same rocks as, as Archaeopteryx. This means that Archaeopteryx cannot have been the forerunner of birds since birds were already in existence. 
Thus, concerning evolutionary transitional links, Archaeopteryx is completely irrelevant. Uh, let me quote from Stephen Jay Gould. He's an evolutionist, yet he claims this. He states, the history of most fossil species includes two features particularly inconsistent with gradualism. What he means by gradualism is gradual evolution, gradual change from one species to another. And he says this about the, the fossil uh, record. The two features are, are uh, stasis and sudden appearance. Stasis, he says, uh, uh, most species exhibit no direction, directional change during their tenure on Earth. They appear in the fossil record looking much the same as when they disappear. Morphological change is usually limited and directionless. So you don't find these fossils moving in any direction, they just stay the same. And then number two, sudden appearance. In any local area, a species does not arise gradually by the steady transformation of its ancestors. It appears all at once and fully formed. Now you would think that because of these statements that Stephen Jay Gould would therefore become a creationist. Because what he's basically saying is, if you're looking for transitional forms in the fossil record, stop looking, they aren't there. So you would assume, well, great, Stephen Jay Gould then is a creationist. No. What Stephen Jay Gould is doing, he's attempting to save evolution. What he's arguing, he's arguing that 130 years since Darwin, there's still no missing links. So he comes up with a variation of evolution, if you could even call it that, called punctuated equilibrium. Uh, basically what he argues is you're not going to find missing links because there were none. They happened, the evolution happened so quickly that the transitional forms, the go-betweens, didn't have enough time to be fossilized. I mean, this is almost uh, as extreme as the view that two apes got together and had a baby boy and enough baby boys and baby girls got, toge got together and started the human race. Um, uh, now granted, he gives a small time period where there's a transition in there, but for some reason it's never enough to be fossilized. And so we have no record of it uh, whatsoever. Now evolution, by, definu by definition, means gradual change. And since, since punctuated equilibrium so we get an interference here. Since punctuated equilibrium talks about sudden changes, the question comes up, has evolution been abandoned? Uh, punctuated equilibrium, all it is is an attempt to explain away the lack of evidence uh, for evolution. Um, take, okay, Heisenberg's principle of in, indeterminacy, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Uh, just basically what it says is that on the, on the subatomic level, particle movement is presently unpredictable for man. You know, you, you can know like the, the, the location of the particle, but then you don't know what direction it's moving in. If you know the direction it's moving in, you lose uh, wh where the location is. Uh, but it's presently unpredictable for man. So some scientists have assumed that this means that things happen on the subatomic level without a cause and that maybe the universe just popped into existence without a cause. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, all this says, Max Planck, uh, world-renowned physicist, held to this, 
uh, Albert Einstein held to the view that I'm going to share with you. All this shows, all Heisenberg's principle shows us, is we do not presently know the causes at this time. It's unpredictable for us, but that doesn't mean that things are occurring without a cause. And as, si as Einstein recognized, once we say that things can occur without a cause, uh, then you might as well throw modern science out the window. Because one of the major features of modern science is the examination of the cause and effect relationship with things, looking at the effect and trying to find the cause. If things can occur without a cause, um, then uh, if you find two people laying dead with a knife in their backs, uh, we don't need to do an investigation. It could have happened without a cause. And so obviously, uh, every effect needs an adequate cause. Uh, and finally, now we're winding down. I thank you for your, your uh, patience. Uh, but basically, there are many unproven assumptions uh, dealing with evolution. Uh, first, there is no evidence for spontaneous generation, life from non-life. This was refuted by Louis Pasteur. Uh, we talked about that last week. It violates the cell theory. Cell is the basic unit of life, and all cells came from uh, prior existing cells. Um, it violates the law of biogenesis, that all living things come from prior living things. Uh, Miller and Urey, two evolutionists, have had it, conducted experiments where they've attempted in the lab to bring life from non-life. Uh, Norman Geisler, a Christian philosopher, points out, if they're successful, all they will have shown is that intelligent intervention is needed. That's assuming that Miller and Urey are intelligent men, obviously, but... Uh, but all, so all it would do is prove the creation model. That's number one. Number two, Geisler states that all they've done is produce amino acids, the building blocks for life, amino acids in the lab. They haven't uh, uh, come up with a, a, a actually created life in the lab. So Geisler points out that the production of amino acids is as far from producing life as a single sentence is from an entire library worth of information. Uh, Dr. Wick Ramasinghe, a former evolutionist himself from Great Britain, although he's not a creationist, uh, he calls these experiments cheating because he says that Miller and Urey start with amino acids, they break them down, and then they recover amino acids at the end. So if they're starting with what they want to eventually arrive at, uh, it doesn't prove evolution. Evolution, you've got to go from, from non-life to life, and uh, what Gramsci just calls these experiments uh, cheating. Uh, so, spontaneous generation is an evolutionary assumption. There's no evidence for it. All the evidence goes against it. There's no evidence for an eternal universe. All the uh, scientific evidence out there points to the universe having a beginning. Then there's also no evidence that the universe could just have popped into existence out of nothing. That's the new. Because there's so much evidence for the beginning of the universe, that's the new attempt uh, by evolutionists is to try to come up with a rational uh, way that the universe could somehow pop into existence out of nothing. And keep, keep in mind, nothing is nothing. Therefore, nothing can do nothing. Uh, therefore, nothing can cause nothing. If the universe had a beginning, it needs a cause. Um, 
Also, there's no, no proof. All these things are just assumed by evolutionists. Uh, there's no proof for intelligence, intelligent life, intelligence coming from non-intelligence. There's no proof for multi-celled animals coming from single-celled animals. There's no proof for animals with backbones coming from animals without backbones. And there's no evidence for the common ancestry of fish, reptiles, birds, and, and mammals. Remember, we talked about that, that common anatomy, common body parts between different species, uh, points uh, just as easily, if not easier, to the common design than it would uh, to common ancestry. Now, when you put all of these things together, okay, you put all these things together, and what that spells is what, all these assumptions that have not been proven, those are the, ba the basic tenets of evolution, of the evolutionary model. So what I'm telling you is evolution is nothing but itself an unproven assumption. And why in the world would you need to make such a ludicrous assumption? Because, as Romans 1 says, if you reject the God of creation, you then begin to speculate. You reject the truth, you suppress that truth, and you begin to speculate about alternative theories, alternative uh, views, and you profess to be wise, but the Bible says you'll become as fools. And so evolution uh, itself... Uh, is an unproven uh, assumption. In conclusion, if evolution is true, it still needs God. In other words, since all these jumps violate uh, scientific laws and scientific theories that, that have more evidence for them than the evolution model does, uh, if evolution is true, it would need a miracle for every one of those jumps. And you can't get miracles without a miracle working God. So, number one, if evolution is true, it still needs God. However, if God exists, number two, if God exists, He didn't have to use evolution. If God exists, He could have created the universe in six literal days if He wanted to. Now, if God used evolution, He covered His tracks. And since we know that our God is not a God of deception, I sincerely doubt that he used evolution and then covered his tracks. Evolution is just a man, is just basically the outcome of mankind not wanting to bow before God's throne and still trying to answer the question uh, of where we came from. Okay? Um, I, I don't know about you, but. Uh, uh, I'd like to echo the words of Joshua in Joshua 24, verse 15. Uh, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can talk about us coming from primordial soup and, and this and that, but I'll tell you, if there is no rational, all-good, all-powerful God that created man in His image, then there's no sense talking about human rights. There's no sense talking about moral values. There's no sense talking about reason and intelligence. Uh, this world is just one big chaotic mess that makes absolutely no sense at all. But if the God of the Bible does exist, and both science and reason shows that this God, uh, show that this God exists, if the God of the Bible does exist, 
then life has meaning. And there is such a thing as right and wrong. And uh, we must seek this God with all our hearts. Let's close with a word of prayer.